All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. everybody welcome to another episode of dropping the gloves thanks for joining us tim's um upset at me so i'm going to be nice and calm and introduce my co-host tim Warsberger. tim thank you for uh thanking you for being here today i'm not upset i'm just disappointed and you think i'd know better by now but i don't so this is probably on me too I'll why are that. you disappointed i'm not disappointed it's just we stay started at a certain time and you, you just any- said you were disappointed so now you're <laughs> lying i'm confused <laughs> Uh, John, how are you? It feels it's been a while. It's been a while. We had the Brady Kachuk interview last week, and then we took a long weekend, and now it's Tuesday. We're we're gearing up for the season where we're going to transition to three episodes a, a week. But it's it's been a nice summer. We're slowly inching towards September, so I'm good. I'm up in Northport, which I love. You know that everybody knows that it's it's my safe place where I come and just unwind. I got stuck into a conversation with some lady yesterday when I was trying to cut the grass. She's like, I used to own your place 30 years ago. And she was almost tearing up all the memories she had in this place. It was very nice. But anyways, I'm doing good. What do you think of the Brady Kachuk interview, Tim? Unless you had anything to talk about from this weekend. Is that why you're in a bad mood? <laughs> no, uh, no, the Kachuk interview is good. I, I, um, there's a few good nuggets there. I always like on social media when like fan bases get a hold of interviews and clips and stuff. And this happened this time. It doesn't always happen, but the Ottawa Senators, like all the big Twitter accounts and reporters and articles and big, you know, followings, they loved it. They especially loved the, uh, him talking about feeling like McGregor fighting Truba at center ice. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a good interview. Definitely more relaxed and more confident than he was two years ago, which makes sense. Yeah, still not crazy forthcoming, which is fine. He's the captain of an NHL team. He's 23 years old. You got to be, you know, protect yourself a little bit. It's funny. One little throwaway comment I make about everybody hating Alex to catches mm-hmm. on so much and people just like everybody hated to bring it. And I was like, I'm joking. If you listen to the whole episode, I'm obviously saying that in jest and people just snippet it out. And now there's all this turmoil about to bring it left because everybody hated them. So I don't know. it is what it is. It was a good Brady's a good sport for him to come on. He's going to camp. It's good. He's a superstar, Tim. That's what we pull superstars on the show. And now we got to get the other guy, Jake Sanderson. He's you gonna lead he's, on him. He's on my uh, I'm on my sleeper list for fantasy now. He's a breakout candidate for sure. I had never heard of the kid. 
and I, and I probably never will say his name again in the show, but good for good for Brady talking about him. Good for him. Uh, I, w- I didn't realize also how his fights aren't that exciting. The Truba one was good, but the rest of them, I, know, I think people are scared of him. He's a moose of a man. He's a big dude. All right. The big story. I got endlessly roasted on social media. I got just lambasted in the news. Austin Matthews, number 34 of the Toronto Maple Leafs, 61 goal scorer, second round participant for the Toronto Maple Leafs, has signed a new contract. Four years, $13.25 million average annual value per year, has re signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs, the highest contract in NHL history. I didn't expect it. All the rumors, all of the the smoke and mirrors, I thought it was just Austin Matthews' way of just getting to the regular season. Then he would say, I'm not going to talk about this during the season. We will regroup and see if we can get something done after the season. Well, I was wrong. I was dead wrong. He signed, I'm eating crow. I don't know how I feel about this. I, I did not expect it. I'm in the business of making predictions, informed predictions. I didn't think Austin Matthews was going to resign, but he did. So I'm wrong. I'll take the L on this one. Now, let's just look at the contract. Four years. We'll start with that. Is that good for Austin Matthews or is that good for the Toronto Maple Leafs, Tim? It's good for Austin Matthews, I would think, right? Yes. From what I hear, the Leafs were bargaining for a long-term deal. They wanted eight years, the max they could sign one of their own players for. They were bargaining for that. Austin Matthews is 25 years old. Let's sign him for eight years, get him to 33, milk every ounce of his prime. Austin Matthews camp didn't want that. They wanted the four years. They will probably wanted three years, but they met in the middle, four years, big, big numbers. So that's a win for Austin Matthews. It's a loss for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but you're kind of bargaining at a disadvantage if you're Brad Trevealing. You're dealing with a player who is the face of your franchise, arguably is one of the top three players in the NHL, the best goal scorer in the game. Pure goal scorer, sniper. I know Connor McDavid always leads the league in goals. Connor McDavid uses his legs. Austin Matthews isn't as fast. If you put him in a spot, I'm taking Austin Matthews all day. But if if it's a whole game, it's obviously Connor McDavid. But the best pure goal scorer, the Leafs were dealing from a disadvantage. Austin Matthews had all the leverage. He could have played this season out and said, I'm out of here. Take care, comb your hair. I want four years. I want $13.25 million. Let's look at that number. It makes him the highest paid player in the NHL. Connor McDavid makes 12.5. Austin Matthews now supplants him by $750,000. What do you think of that number, Tim? Is that fair for both sides? Did, did anybody walk away from this thinking they got, you know, swindled? No, we pretty much knew whatever his AAV was going to be, it was going to be the highest in the league, which makes it the highest in league history. So that's not really surprising. The, the thing that surprised me the most was the four years. I thought it would either be like a bridge deal to just shut people up and let them focus on the season and try to build on what they did last year, finally getting out of the first round, or it would be the long-term deal. Four years is kind of like, that's that's what caught me off guard. I think it is a bridge. I think it's it's a bridge deal in a way. Usually bridges are two to three. He got to four. I, I think 13.25. That's a lot of money, Tim. That is a lot of money to invest in one player who arguably, okay, stats are one thing. 
results are another. This guy piles up the stats. He fills the box score. Goals, assists, block shots. Who knew? Second in the league in block shots. Good for him. He's getting in the lane. Maybe he's evolving. He fills the box score. What's the end result? Does he have any banners hanging in the rafters? No. Does he have any second round wins? No. Does he have any first round wins? One. That's it. And I know everyone comes back to this and I know everybody hates it. Oh, yeah. it's a fact. We have to talk about this. Austin Matthews has been to the playoffs seven years, Tim. He's only won one round. That's eight series. He's won one round. That's what we have to work with. I'm sorry we keep coming back to it, but those are the facts, everybody. So if I'm investing $13.25 million into my franchise player, I want a hell of a lot more than one round in eight overall. The second round, he still doesn't want a game, Tim. They got swept in the second round last year. So it's did they get swept or did they win one? I think they won one. Uh, dang it. We'll have to edit that out. We're not going to edit it out. <laughs> yeah. But it's just that that's what I that's what I keep going back to. And, and it was a catch 22 for the Toronto Maple Leafs because next year they're going to compete. They're going to be one of the top teams in the NHL. They, they will be Stanley Cup contenders, front runners, potentially. You get to the trade deadline. What do you do? Do you trade Austin Matthews or just risk letting him walk? like the Columbus Blue Jackets did years ago with Bobrovsky and Panarin. They didn't want to get to that point. So you have to re-sign him. You have to sign this guy. Austin Matthews knew it. His agent knew it. So they're like, make us the highest paid player of all time. Is he the best player in the league? Not even close. Not even close. He's close. He's no. not, but he's close. Come on. Okay. You take a McDavid or him? McDavid. You take a Dreinsidel or him? Um, Close, but Dreinsidel. You take a McKinnon or him? McKinnon. You take in Pasternak or him? Matthews. You take in Braden Point? Matthews. Jason Robinson? Matthews. You take in Quinn Hughes? Matthews. Come on. Victor Hedman? Okay. So there's four or five players that are better than him, and there's a few that are in the same category as him. Tage Thompson arguably could be in that conversation. Tage Thompson had 47 goals last year. Tage Thompson is a six foot six behemoth of a man who is just starting to understand his size and his ability. Tage Thompson will lead this league in goals very, very soon. You heard it here first. So all that aside, 13.25 for four years. Okay. It's a good deal. Toronto signs him. I think they're still going to be a good team. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. I, I pick them every year, Tim. To, to go far in the play. I think last year I picked up to win the Stanley Cup. And they flamed out in the second round. Okay. What does this mean there? Implications, Tim. Well, what's going on with implications now with these other players that are approaching free agency for the Toronto Maple Leafs? We were chatting a little last week, and this interview happened um, before the, the signing came out. But Friedman and Merrick were in Sweden and Europe interviewing all these guys, and they sat down with Willie Nylander. And they asked him, and Willie, I'm paraphrasing, but Willie's like, I have every intention of signing in Toronto. I don't understand why people are talking about otherwise. Like, it makes no sense to me. I'm going to be a Maple Leaf. And we were joking, just you and I on Slack, like, well, we, we're talking about it because we have calculators. Like, the math doesn't add up. You know what I mean? And this is before we knew what Matthew's number was going to be. And obviously, it's on the high end. And so, <laughs> is there any chance they can make this work? 
so we kind of keep going back to this because like Matthews, everyone kind of bashing the least for how much they paid him and how much like what their cap, you know, situation at the end of the day, it's not a bad thing to sign your best player in his prime. Like whatever numbers are going to be, it maybe it's more than it should have been, but, but it's still a good move. Like they're going to be a good team. This makes them better, but there's, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of question marks coming off this. Now you got Pertuzzi's contract expiring. You got Domi's contract expiring. Lafferty's coming off the books, Brody, Klingberg, Giordano. That's a lot of money, but it's also a lot of roster spots. So going back to Willie Nylander, is he signed? Does this number impact him? Is it written on the wall that he's going to leave? What do you think? Oh, without a doubt. I think the one it impacts more is Mitch Marner. I think Marner and Matthews have always been kind of attached at the hip. They came into the league around the same time. They signed contracts very similar. I think Marner sees Austin Matthews' number. His deal's up in two years. He's going to want $13 million himself. When you look at the points, when you look at the production, when you look at how this team works, I said it before, I think Marner is the most important person on this team. He facilitates a lot of Austin Matthews' goals. I don't think if Marner's there, much like a Patrick Kane to an Alex DeBrinkin, I don't think Matthews puts 61 goals on the board. That being said, going back to Willie Nylander, can you have four guys on your team make $10 million? Is that a thing? Because Willie Nylander is making 6.962 right now. He has been on a deal of a deal of a century for the Toronto Maple Leafs, this contract. When they first signed it, everybody was putting question marks around this deal. How is it going to pan out? He's a young kid. We're giving him six years, $45 million. He hasn't done anything. Well, fast forward six years. This guy is a point per game player. He does it in the playoffs when not a lot of guys on that team does. And he has lived up to this contract and more. He is going to want $10 million. I know everybody's talking about hometown discount. Willie Nylander saying all the right things and he's so relaxed. He can be relaxed because he knows next year he will be making $10 million. Whether that's with the Leafs or someone else, that's yet to be seen. All those things I was saying about Austin Matthews five minutes ago about the trade deadline, Stanley Cup contenders, that all now applies to Willie Nylander. Next year, the Toronto Maple Leafs have $42.728 million tied up in the forwards, not to mention 10 tied up in the defensemen. Can you just eat another $10 million from the forwards groups and make that $52 million? I don't think you can, because that is only Tim, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's only nine forwards. The last time I checked, you need 12. And then you got to have a couple in the wings. So you need 14 forwards. So you need to sign five more forwards and you're already paying those nine 52 million. The cap's not going to go up that much. Then you got to sign four more defensemen. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. They have to figure out what to do with Willie Nylander. The only thing in my eyes that they do is they trade him. That's the only thing that's that, that they can do. Or you win the Stanley Cup and you let him walk off into the sunset. It, it, I, I don't envy Brad Trevealing. I said this time and time again. He has a lot of tough decisions to make in the next two years. No one's going to take Johnny Tavares' contract. Nobody in their right mind is going to walk with an $11 million contract for a centerman who's 32 years old. He has seen better days, and I think he's always had inflated numbers. And I think everybody, when you look at his stats, when you look at him, he's always been inflated a little bit just because of persona when he came into the league. He was Sidney Crosby. He was kind of tucked away with the New York Islanders. He performed, but not overwhelming. Maybe he was stifled by the Islanders' pace of play. He didn't put up the points. He went to Toronto. It didn't get any better. No one's taking on $11 million. Then you got Mitch Marner. He's going to want to make 13. 
So what what does Trevelyan do? At the end of the day, do you let Nylander walk? Do you re-up Bertuzzi? Do you bring back Lafferty, who's a good third, fourth line guy? Do you keep Max Domi, who's got the pedigree with Ty Domi? Everybody in Toronto loves this guy. What do you do on the back end? You just signed uh, Max Benoit or whatever his name is from Anaheim. So now you got eight defensemen on NHL deals. You're already over the cap right now as it stands. So you have to make a move before the season starts. What are we going to do, Tim? This is not the team that will break camp because it can't. You're over the cap already. Did they get rid of TJ Brody? You're not going to deal John Klingberg. You want to resign that guy? I don't know, Tim. What do you think the Leafs need to do? If you're Brad Trevealing, what's your game plan? Because you have to have a game plan. I think you have to go all in this year. I think you don't trade Nylander. I mean, depending on the season goes, but I think you could just go all in and try to see if you can build on last year's momentum. I, I don't want to like under, well, first, I don't want to oversell just winning one playoff round because it's not that big of a deal. But when you haven't got out of playoff for so long with basically the same core, I really think it's important the fact that you've gotten out of that and you've gotten that monkey off your back. And now that you're showing you can win a series, go build on that. Um, gosh, <laughs> there's just so much here. I, I don't know. I think I think you go all in and just hope that um, you win a cup, and if worst comes to worst, you let Nylander walk. You still have an elite core. At least you tried. Yeah, I agree. I think that's what you have to do as well. It, it's 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 going to be a tough pill to swallow. And maybe you sign him in the off season, right? You go through the playoffs, you have a good run. Maybe maybe you win the Stanley Cup, and then you figure out a way to make it work. Maybe you just give John, Johnny Tavares away with a first rounder. That's the contract that's that's making this an issue with John Tavares. If you get rid of him, you could sign Nylander to a $10, $11 million contract because that's what I think he's worth. Don't you? That's a good question. What do you think Willie Nylander is worth? He got 87 points last year, 82 points the year before. The guy is a proven points producer. His game on the back end leaves a little bit to be desired. He's not going to be confused with a Selkie winner. But he's getting 87 points a year, 80 points in 81 games, excuse me. He's a point-per-game guy. And then in the playoffs, like I mentioned, he he shows up. He's a points-per-game guy in the playoffs, too, if not more. He's got 50 points or 40 points in 50 games. So it, it, there's no waning in his production when the brights are the lights are the brightest, excuse me. What is he worth, Tim? Yeah, I think that I think his minimum number is probably nine thousand, and I say that because that's what Kaprizov's making is nine nine million, nine million, nine million, <laughs> yeah, nine million. And then you kind of look up the list from there. It's Barzal nine point one, Kucherov nine point five, Rantanen nine point two five, Kachuk nine point five. So I think he's probably in that range. If he makes another major step forward this year, maybe he gets to ten, ten and a half. But I think probably nine and a half is probably his number. I don't know. He is 27, so he's still got a lot of prime in front of him. The one thing that maybe limits his value so far, he's on the second line. You know what I mean? He's he's getting second line minutes. He's not the first option in the offensive zone. He doesn't get as many opportunities as other high-end guys do. So maybe that limits his his numbers just a tad. So if he went to a place where he was on the first line. But how, much of playing, that, how much of that is offset by the fact of like the favorable matchups he's getting? Because isn't that like he's getting maybe two or three minutes less per game, but he's playing against second pair defenses. So is that yeah, maybe a tad, but would you rather play with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner or would you rather just play against a second line defense? Yeah, it's true. You know, so it's just one of those things where, OK, if I'm Willie Nylander, I never start the game. I'm always a second option in the offensive zone. I, I never get those minutes. So maybe if he gets those minutes, this guy's a 110 point getter. Right. He's never the first option on the power play. He's never the second option on the power play. 
He's always the third option. So, and that's okay. The guy put up 87 points this year, but maybe, maybe we haven't seen his ceiling. I like Willie. I, I think he's a great player. If I'm a GM, I'm looking at him. I'm looking at the Leaf situation. I'm trying to exploit it. I'm calling Toronto, saying, I'll give you a first rounder and a prospect for Willie, Willie Nylander right now. That's, that's what I'm doing. Or I'm, I'm trading a guy who's NHL ready with some term on his contract, and I'm trying to swing this deal. I don't think Toronto does it. I think I think you're you're dead right. They're going to go all in, and you know deal with the implications after the season. It is what it is. I don't think you can sign Willie Nylander now until you see what happens in the playoffs. Because what if they flame out in the first round again? Then everyone's going to be coming for their heads. They got they got rid of some pieces this off season. They got rid of Dubis. If they if they do it again this year, I don't know what's going to happen. It, it's it's uh, the Leafs are so fun to talk about. All right, let's play a comparison game, Tim. Austin Matthews at 13.25. I'm just going to do some comparisons for you, much like we did earlier. You tell me which contract you would want on your team. Now you have to take into account the, the dollar amount. Because all these players, some of them are not as good as um, Austin Matthews, but they make less money. Jack Eichel at $10 million or Austin Matthews. This is a tough one because I've obviously Eichel just won the cup. You show that he can produce in the playoffs. I think Matthews is a better player. I want to say Matthews, but that $3 million is a big difference. I think if Eichel didn't win the cup, the answer changes, but I'm going to say Eichel. Wow. Really? Yeah. Okay. I like that. Okay. Now, this is the one that I think is the best comparison right now. You got Jason Robertson at $7.75 million. <laughs> He's so underpaid. Or, or Austin Matthews at 13.25. Keep in mind, Jason Robertson last year, 46 goals. The year before, 41 goals. So this guy's a goal scorer at 7.75. Who are you taking, Tim? Yeah, that's that's Robertson. That's Robertson for sure. Come on. Wouldn't well, you? I, yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think everybody on this list I would take, except for potentially Braden Point at 9.5. I'm taking Pasta at 11.25. Don't you think? See, I would actually take Matthews over Pasta. Um. That million and a half difference is negligible to me. So um, for that, I think pasta could produce more and create more offense on his own than Austin Matthews can. We'll find out this year because he's going to be on his own this year. So well, he's got Marshall and yeah. still. All right. Yeah. Matthew Kachuk at 9.5 or Austin Matthews at 13.25. Kachuk. Wow. Tim, what? Of just... course. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, obviously. And then your boy. Jack Hughes at $8 million. Jack Hughes has never had 100 points. 99, come on. That's not 100. Jack Hughes or Austin Matthews? Uh, Jack Hughes. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. How much were you salivating when um, Brady Kachuk was talking about the Hughes and how good friends he is with them? Yeah, you just told me that I'm just obsessed. You told him I'm obsessed with those guys, which I'm not. You are. You make, you make it seem that way. You so are back to this list. Hughes, Robertson, Pasternak, Point, Kachuk, Eichel. Do you take in Matthews over any of them? I said Braden Point. Yeah, Braden Point. Okay. I think Point's numbers last year were inflated. I, I don't think he's that guy. I think he's a very good hockey player, but he, I like him around thirty-five goals. I think Matthews is better. I, I would pay the extra three and a half million to have an Austin Matthews over Braden Point. But yeah, I like Eichel better. I like Kachuk. I like Pasta better. I think Pasta's a Potentially one of the most underrated players in the league. 
He gets shadowed by Marchand. He was shadowed by Bergeron. He just, uh, no one talks about him. The guy consistently puts up insane numbers every single year. I'm surprised you don't talk about him more. Why? 60 goals last year. I know, but why don't you talk about him? (laughs) I don't know. I don't talk about the Bruins that much just because I know people hate it and they roll their eyes. He get like, listeners. 60, 40, 48. Love you guys. He puts up tons and tons of goals. And he just does it. He goes about his business. More than a points per game. The guy's a stud. All right. Moving on. Other signings. Brandon Hagel for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Acquired two years ago from the Chicago Blackhawks for two first round picks. He signed a big deal. Unexpected. Eight years. $6.5 million. With the former back-to-back Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup champions. Seems a little high, but they they like to keep the guys that they they acquire in-house. They got Nick Paul. They re-signed him. They re-signed Hagel. They keep their guys, and they give them long deals. This is Brandon Hagel, 25 years old, coming off an okay year last year. Said career highs and goals and assists with 30 and 34, respectively, 64 points. What do you think? Is this good for a 64-point guy who's, who's a checker? He's a little bit of an agitator, but he puts up some pretty good points. You like this deal, Tim, for the Lightning? I had a little bit of sticker shock when I saw this. I mean, not that 6.5 is that high. I do think it's a little bit high, but eight years is a lot to commit to a guy who's not a first rounder or not a first liner. I mean, you know what I mean? Like he's not a first liner. He's not a first power play unit guy. So eight years to commit. You don't usually don't see that. Um, that going, that being said, I like the player a lot. 64 points last year, 30 goals. And he's a guy that's built for the playoffs. And I feel like it, he fits into the thing with Tampa. You think of them as old. They just won their two cups. The, their cups are probably behind them. But you look at their core. They're not that old. And all their guys, except for Stamkos, who's obviously going to resign, are locked up long term. Kucherov's got four years. Points got like six. Sorelli has multiple. Paul has multiple. Hagel's locked up now. You got Hedman, um, Sergachev. I mean, these guys are... Vasilevsky, they're all locked up, you know? So I feel like these guys are still going to be good for a long time, and people are kind of sleeping on them. So Hagel being a part of that, I think, makes sense. Yeah, I think it's a good signing. I, I like it. I like that teams and GMs, and Breezeball is one of the best of them. He values second, third, fourth line players more than anybody else in the league. I know we've talked about it. They won their Stanley Cups on the backs of the third and fourth lines. They did. Yanni Gord, Barkley Gaudreau, Blake Coleman, those types of players, Patrick Maroon. That's who won them their Stanley Cups. I know the big guys were good, but they don't win a cup without those guys. So he values that. That's why you see him investing in a a Tanner Juneau, in a Nicholas Paul, in a Connor Sheary, in a a Brandon Hagel. These guys are getting long-term deals with decent amount of term, and that's why they're so good. So good for the the Tampa Bay Lightning, good for uh, Brandon Hagel. I think it's an overpay right now. 6.5 is a lot of money, but... Hopefully, fingers crossed, the salary cap goes up in the next few years. Projections are, and everybody loves projections, especially Gary Bennett. We're going to get to the $90 million in a, in a couple years salary cap, and this 6.5 won't look that bad. It'll be a pretty good contract for a second, third line guy, and he's good. I like him. He, he, he's, he is your prototypical Tampa Bay Lightning forward. A little bit of sandpaper, put some points on the board, doesn't need any pampering. Goes about his business, keeps his nose clean, never in the papers. This is exactly who Patrice, or not Patrice, Julian Brisebois has on his team. Even his stars, Kucherov could care less about accolades. Braden Point puts up 60-some goals. He doesn't care. He doesn't want front-page news. Steven Stamkos, you never hear from him, right? They're never in the news. Contrast that to other teams. 
it's it's like night and day to Victor Hedman, arguably one of the best defensemen of all time. He does one podcast and it's ours. So it's um <laughs> it's a good team. It's a very good team. It's a good signing, six point five million dollars. Mo much like other contracts, it's gonna look a little high now. Just give it a couple of years, it'll be a good deal. Similar contracts, Tim. I like to do this. Who would you take? Brandon Hagel or Brock Besser? Or as I like Hagel. to call Prince Prince Charming. Hagel. Hagel. Yeah. What if you put Besser in a better situation? I can't believe he's still in Vancouver. When is he going to get traded? I don't know. I don't know. I have. Yeah, I don't know. Let's talk about that. Because Pedersen's not coming back with the, with the Vancouver Canucks. He he is just shut down all negotiations. He's an RFA next year. He already makes 7.35. He doesn't want to come back to Vancouver. JT Miller, that whole experiment has not gone over well. He chirps everybody. Players, coaches, management, media, everybody's uh, on his list. If Pedersen doesn't want to resign, what's he worth? Let's not get into this net, but Brock Besser's 26. He makes 6.65. You got to, I don't want to go down this road, but Besser needs to get out of Vancouver and he needs to get out fast. All right, Chris Kreider. 50 goal score. Yeah, I take Kreider. Claude Giroux. 30-some years old, always a good... I think he had 76 points last year, good first year in Ottawa. What are you taking, Giroux or Hagel? This is tough. Giroux's going to put up more points. I think Hagel's got a more complete game at this point. For one year, I think I take Giroux. Nazim Kadri, Stanley Cup champion with the Colorado Avalanche, went to Calgary, didn't have a great first year, but we know what Kadri does. He's a Hagel, but just more offensive. Yeah, I take Hagel, though. You taking Hagel over Kadri? I have a short-term memory. Kadri didn't do much last year. so. All right, Sam Reinhart, Florida Panthers, just went to the Stanley Cup final. You taking Sam Reinhart over him? I like Reinhart a lot, but no, it's Hagel. Wow, I'm, I'm surprised. And for those of you who think Kadri did put up 56 points last year, so it's not like he didn't do anything. Almost the same amount of points as uh, Hagel. Last one, Kalorn. This is Alex, an interesting one. Alex Kalorn. Why is it so interesting? Tell me. Well, obviously, they were teammates last year. I feel like they're similar players, and I feel like Hagel can step up and be what, what Kalorn was on those cup runs. So I uh, I take Hagel younger. You know, Kalorn's one of those guys who is just like, he's so good, and he's just always around, but he you just always forget about him. You know, it's just like Alex Kalorn put up 40 goals this year. Oh, interesting. And he just he's just always around. All right, moving on. Another signing. Evan Bouchard, Edmonton Oilers. This one has been in in the works for a long time. They had to get this done. He was an RFA, and now they came to a bridge deal. Two years, $3.9 million for Evan Bouchard. Do you think this is what the Edmonton Oilers wanted, Tim, when they went into the negotiations with uh, Evan Bouchard? I This is strange for me because I picture Bouchard being like stepping up and being like the quarterback on the best power play in the, in the league and putting up a ton of points. He's put up 43 and 40 points over the past two years. He's averaging about like, 12 to 15 power play points over that span a season. He's not like lighting the world on fire, which I thought he was in my head. He was like putting up 50 plus points and 20 power play points. And he's just not. So I, I am, I was surprised that he didn't sign for more until I looked at the actual numbers. I don't know why they have this idea in my head that he's better than he actually is going back to the question. I don't know. You probably want to lock him up longer if if you're Edmonton, right? Thinking he's going to keep getting better, but this, I don't know. Edmonton, similar to Toronto. We, we beat this thing to death, but like, what are they going to do in the playoffs and, and where are they going to go from here? Maybe they don't want to get stuck with this guy long term. 
Yeah, they've made the Western Conference final, Edmonton. So they, they've done some damage in the playoffs. But yeah, it's one of those things where I think they're still in the feeling out process. I, I like this move from the Oilers standpoint. Very smart by Ken Holland. You're not investing in a guy long term. They still have his rights after these two years. He's still be an RFA. 3.9 is not a lot of money. You already have Darnell Nurse. You have Matias Ekholm. So you have you have your studs. And now you're just trying to find tertiary parts, a guy who can run the power play, because I don't think Nurse or Ekholm are those guys. They're more of a stay-at-home, kind of good first pass type of defenseman. Is Bouchard that guy? I think you nailed it on the head. They're going to give him two years. If he can excel, can you keep up with the Connor McDavid and the drawing signal and be our guy on the back end? Like we brought in Duncan Keith to try to do, like we had Tyson Berry to try to do. Now we have Evan Bouchard. Who is going to be that guy to just facilitate? Pass it to the wings. That's all we want you to do and throw the odd puck on net. It's not hard, it would seem, but no one's really grabbed onto that role, right? It's like Sore talking about the Montreal power play. Shoot the damn puck. That's it. I went back after that interview and I watched all of Sheldon Surrey's goals that one season where he had 31, 19 power play goals. All he did was shoot it. That's it. He didn't aim. He didn't think twice. The puck came to him. He didn't dust it off. He didn't try to look for a pass. The guy just blasted it. Bombs away. 19 goals. That's all Evan Bouchard has to do. Take a shot if it's there. If not, pass it to the best player on the planet. Or look at the other way and pass it to the second best player on the planet. It's It seems so easy. But Apparently, he can't do it. So, yes, good. 3.9, two years. I like this move for Holland. It's just like a little uh, audition. Can you do it? They're not overpaying him. He's still going to play a lot. Going to ride shotgun to Ekholm or Nurse, and we'll see where it goes. This is a very smart deal. I, I don't like this deal for Evan Bouchard. I'm sure he probably wanted a longer term. Eight years would have been good for him. Six years would have been good. But what are you going to do? You can't always get what you want. As um, the Rolling Stones said, Tim, right? That's true. They did. They did say that. All right, moving on. Oh, first overall picks are sometimes frustrating. We're working on getting one for an interview. Neil Yakupov soon. Tim's got to give me the update on that. Is he coming on the show, Tim? I haven't talked to him again since we last nice. talked. But You're killing it. Alex Lafreniere. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tim. I apologize. We should make Alex. a new rule. We should make a new rule. We used to do this. Um, I went on a mission trip in college, and this is the rule. If you say something negative to somebody, you have to say three nice things to make up for it. That's a dumb rule. We're not going to institute that. Why? Why does everybody <laughs> have to be made feel like everything's great? Three nice things. But why? Why can't someone exist in a negative space and be like, you did something wrong. Let's just stay there. You don't always have to feel good, right? Yeah, but you're, you're okay. You're throwing out negativity for no reason. That's the point. Not because oh. I like, okay. oh, Tim, now you've never played any kind of competitive hockey, so you probably don't know. But just so you know, like when a guy scores a goal, it's a good thing. It's like, okay, John. I never said that. <laughs> it's the kind of thing you say. Well, I'm not going to just pamper you and just say nice things just because I want you to feel good. We have to live in reality, everybody. See, I actually, I actually don't, I feel fine. It's only the listeners that are making me think more about it. They're like, Tim, how do you put up with them? You got to stand up for yourself. I'm like, Dude, I don't, it doesn't bother me until the listeners point. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe they're, maybe they're onto something. You got to stay out of the chat rooms. I learned that years ago. They'll ruin your life, Tim. They'll ruin well, it. You're going through it now. You're getting some notoriety. People are knowing your names. You're walking around town. You got to stay out of, stay out of the this, this stuff. Okay. It'll get in your head and it'll rot your brain. Best thing you can do, do the podcast, unplug, go about your business, walk your dog, go on your two or three dates, 
That's all you need to do. Don't 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 get in those chat rooms. There's nothing good there for you. Moving on, Alex Lafreniere. He signed a two-year deal, Tim. $2.35 million for Alex Lafreniere, former first overall pick for the New York Rangers. He was the next Sidney Crosby. Coming out of the queue, had amazing numbers, amazing size, made for NHL hockey. This is it. This is what the Rangers got. He's going to lead them to multiple Stanley Cups. Not so much. He's entering his fourth year in the NHL. His high watermark for points was 39 last year. Zero points in the playoffs for him in seven games. Completely disappeared. The guy hasn't lived up to any of his billing. He's got 21 points his first year, 31 and 39. He's been an abject failure so far. He gets $2.35 million, though, for two years. He's only 21 years old, so they're going to control his rights after this uh, this contract expires. There's already been rumblings that they're going to trade him. Little birdies are talking. They said, we're going to see how the start of the season goes. And if it doesn't work out, we're going to, we're going to gas him and we're going to trade him. I you, they you just made that up right now. I did not make that up. Do a little research. And nobody likes to bring it, right? That was a joke. I'm not joking right now. There are already people talking that Alex Afrenier, if he doesn't show up at the start of the season, will be traded. I don't know why this is even an issue with you. That's the facts. So, look at I have it right here. New York Rangers already have a plan to trade Alex Lafreniere. Boom. Elliot Friedman. Elliot Friedman talking on Lafreniere deal. Everybody is kind of in a position where they're saying, look, we're going to try this under a new coach and see where it goes. If it's not good next summer, then I think you can move him at a number that I think teams can handle. Would you like to issue a humble apology? Um, next summer is not starting off the season, but we'll meet in the middle. It is going to be the start of the season because this guy's not going to last a year for the New York Rangers. I, I think it's going to be the same thing moving forward. It's not working with the Rangers. It's not working. So you got to move on from, I think they signed him to a good tron- contract that another team would be willing to take on 2.35 is a little bit of an overpay, but good. they're giving him a, a second look good for Alex or but <laughs> is there more there, Tim? He's 21. Do you think there's more there with Lafreniere? I know we like to dump on this guy, and I know it's probably like more exciting to say this is a terrible thing, and this guy sucks, and blah, blah, blah. He's still 21 years old, and he, that pedigree is there. I feel like we've seen other guys who have been slower to develop that finally, out of nowhere, exploded. Um, you look at, I mean, I, I, Nathan McKinnon had better start than this, but like it took him several years to really break out. And you look at some other players with similar things. Yeah, uh, Nugent Hopkins kind of similar. So I think... I think it's, I think you give him a little bit more leash. He's a young kid playing in the biggest stage and probably, you know, one of the most prestigious arenas in the NHL. A lot of pressure in New York City. I feel like he can, you give him time. I feel like you got these years, you've been given three years. Yeah. But again, he came up when he was 18, you know? So did Jack Hughes. Ah, Jack. Oh, but Jack. like he he's been playing with Panarin, he's been playing with Kreider, he's been playing with Zabinajad and Trochik. They got they went out and got Blake Wheeler because they don't trust Lafreniere. You know, they've had to adjust their lineup because Cap Capo and Alex Lafreniere haven't lived up the billing. So I think you give them like a couple months, and if it's not there, you have to move on. You can't just languish in this position of we're going to give you another year. We see something there. We see flashes. We're, we're going to help you. And then next thing you know, you're six years into his 
career and he hasn't done anything but put up 30, 40 points. As a first overall pick, he's supposed to be a superstar. He shouldn't need time to mature. First overall picks go. They get stuff done. Look at Slikovsky last year for the Habs. This guy was a stud. That was a joke. See, that's a joke. I see that, but people can't read your face and know that you're smiling when you say these things. They can hear my inflection. Moving on, Tim. Sam Gagne gets a PTO with the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Love it. Good. Yeah, that's fun. Good that guy put him. up nine points against me. Eight. Eight? Yeah, I don't... Here, go ahead. I was plus one that game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> we lost 11 to two. Plus one. And I was getting minutes, too, because once you're down by six, they just roll the lines. The coach is like, let's go. Who cares? Plus one. Unbelievable. Best game of my career. We lost 11 to two. (laughs) You better believe on the bus ride from the rink to the airport, I was in everybody's ear. I had the program or the box score in front of me. I was like, Seabsy, dash six, tough night. Look at me, plus one. Interesting. Did you ever have two points in a game? No, no. Never. What about barely the AHL? Barely had one. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I think I did even when I got sent down to Newf- Newfoundland. I was putting up points in Newfoundland. I think I played 15 games and got like five points or something. I can't remember my stats. A couple goals, a couple assists. Just because the the give a crap factor was completely gone. I was pinching. I was trying to blow guys up with the blue line. I was just uh, not a care in the world. And, and my game improved. Maybe that was my issue. I just, I just cared too much, Tim. I cared too much. All right, another one. Jonas Donskoy, retired because of concussion issues. Pretty sad. Good player. Had his big kind of breakout moment with the San Jose Sharks on their Stanley Cup run. I don't know. Only 31. Were you a teammate of his, or do you guys not overlap? We did not overlap. But yeah, good. Uh, he's still got a couple more years on his deal, so he'll get some money. All right, last one. I don't know why you put this. Jonathan Bernier officially retires. Tell the listeners why he is significant. Is it because I went shelf on him (laughs) and he didn't see the puck and I blew it past his ears and he didn't even move? Is that why? That's why. Are all the goalies I've scored on out of the league yet? Braden Holpe. I went just bar down on him. Jonathan Bernier shelf almost broke through the net. Cam Ward is gone. Empty nervers. Who wasn't Hiller one of them? Jonas Hiller in Calgary, and then I had an empty netter versus Colorado. But Patrick Waugh was the coach, so I, I'll say I, I scored against Patrick Waugh. There you go. So I think they're all gone. Or no, is uh, the one guy might still be in? Who's Who? who's the uh, Holpe? Holpe is he still he's, around? I don't think so. He's done. All right, then all my goalies are gone. End of an era. End of an era. Good for him though, Jonathan Bernier. Good goalie. Really. In, in really grabbed onto that second goaltender role. Good for him. Yeah, weak glove that we saw, but uh, other than that, you know, lightning fast glove. Go watch my shot. It was it was such a bad. I'm standing straight. Like a golf up. swing. Yeah, I'm standing straight up, like not ready for the puck at all. But I just tickled the twine. I ripped it. I was watching um, I was watching something last night about NHL players and the flex of their stick. And what do you think the average flex of a stick is for NHL players? Shooters, not defensemen. Like we're talking the the snipers of the world, the Austin Matthews, these these types of players. What do you think the average flex of their stick is? 
Uh, I'm so bad with this stuff. Uh, 95. Like 75. Really? I was blown away. Jack Hughes' flex is 65. Crazy, crazy whippy. I don't know how they do it. Then they go to Victor Hedman. 122. My man. <laughs> Old school. Just like a piece of lumber. But yeah, they, I was just, I was blown away by the whippiness of some of these players' sticks. Because have you ever, have you ever gone on the ice with a few different flexes of sticks and felt the difference between a 70, a 90, and a 110? Yeah, it's a big difference. It's a huge difference. I remember I broke my stick in a men's league game and it was, I, I play with a 120 and somebody threw me a stick and it was an 85. I could not use it. Uh, I couldn't feel the puck whatsoever. Every shot was way wide because the puck was always like two feet behind me. When I went to go, I was like, where's my stick and where's the puck? It it took me, I I couldn't adjust to the stick flex by the end of the game. And I used it for 20 minutes. So it's, it's crazy. These guys are using these, these flexes. That'd be a good question to ask guests, especially retired guys like Sore. Like what did he, I'm sure he used like a 122. Yeah. It's an old school thing. I don't know if it was just like, we got to be manly men and use the biggest step um, flex stick. Everybody used a hundred or above when I played very rarely did a guy have anything less than a hundred. But when I ended my career, you could see the, the guys were playing around with their sticks more. They were working on their lie. They were working on the length of their blade. They were working on the flexibility, the stiffness, all of those things guys were working on more. But when I came in, the sticks would come in, you'd grab your batch and that was it. You might file down the blade a little bit, but that was it. There was no like playing around or, oh, I'm going to, you know, try six sticks in the preseason and see which one feels good. It was like, here's my sticks. This is what I got for the whole season. I got a batch of 300. That's it. Nowadays, guys, they just are always tinkering. It's pretty interesting to see the, just the evolution of sticks and how guys really do. They care about it. <laughs> I don't know. And then Brady Kachuk was like, I don't even know what my flex is. I just got it and I use it and I like it. I couldn't even tell you my curve. So some guys still think that way, but most guys, and I think that translates to Brady Kachuk's game. He doesn't score many goals. The guy, if he had better hands, he would put up 10, 15 more goals in a season. Cause you watch an Ottawa senator's game. He gets so many chances. He just doesn't finish. So maybe that'll come friend of the show, two time friend of the show. Hopefully he doesn't listen. Cause he's not going to like that. Anything else to, uh, no, no. Any That's update it. on Yakupov yet <laughs> in the last five minutes now, that's good. That is going to be a good interview. He's playing in Russia. Now I'm just, I want to talk to him about what happened. Like just, just, have, just air it out, air out the laundry, much like Sheldon Surrey. Let's bury the Oilers even more. The anti Oilers podcast. First What's the opposite pick? of Oilers? It's electric. The electric boys. The EVs. Yeah. <laughs> no, th- I actually, I don't mind certain electric tools. I have an electric um, weed whipper. I don't mind. I have an electric brush cutter, like a, a bush cutter. I have an electric lawnmower. I don't mind it if it's just dry, not very thick grass, but I prefer my gas powered lawnmower. There's different things that work well with um, electric motors too. But there's good things that for gas. I like my gas chainsaw. I think it has more torque and it has more horsepower. An electric chainsaw doesn't really have that. If, you, if you're going through a nice hard wood, like a hemlock or something, you need the gas powered. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. When's the last time you did an honest days of hard work, Tim? Every day I work hard. 
but when you finish, you're sweaty and you feel good about your work. I went to college, so I don't have to do that. But John, I I did eight years of landscaping and property management, eight summers. I Tim did, was I did a landscape architect when he would go out and I think we should put a nice pond here. I was a laborer. I was pulling weeds and chopping trees and all that stuff. I loved it, actually. What was your favorite cut then for felling a tree? I don't know. You do an undercut? I would just cut like dead trees in someone's yard. I wasn't like chopping lumber. Like, hey, this this tree in the in the garden is dead. Can you cut this down for me? Yeah, sure. How big was the tree? Height or width? Both. I don't know. Like it was tall, but it was thin. Probably like circumference thirty inches, maybe. So, so how did you cut it? Did you just go straight across? Did you put a wedge into it? Did you have a tie line? Okay. Was it an under wedge or an over wedge? Did you do the angle cut from above or below? I need to know these things. You know, I don't know the answer to these. You're just trying to embarrass me. No, because the old school way is to do the undercut wedge where the wedge is from the bottom up and the flat goes across. And now the new school way most people do it is the above wedge. I like to do the under because that doesn't sacrifice the first, the first cut of wood that you're taking off that log. Because if you do it the over, then you have that wedge on your first little chunk of wood that you're trying to use for firewood. So I'm not trying to slight you. I'm just I I I I'm just just worried about you. That's it. It's, you just like you just like wood and chopping wood. Love myself some wood. I really do. I'm I'm slowly becoming somewhat of an expert. My love, Jack. There's lots. There's lots to learn. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I hope we have Neil Yakupov. If, if Tim decides to do something this week, we'll see. But if not, we'll we'll talk to everybody on Thursday or Friday. <laughs> Oh, cheers, everybody. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 